4: Ty's got
3: good hair. Chuck, that Walcott takeaway or interception or whatever we call it, that's hard enough to see on TV. I can only imagine trying to describe that in real time.
2: Well, you know it
1: happened just right in front of us there on the near sideline? That's what I was glad about, that it happened on the sideline closest to us. You know it was interesting? Um, I called it an interception there, but we were told a few minutes later it's going to go into the books as a fumble recovery. Yeah. But if you look back at it, If it was a fumble recovery, he was down because his knee was down. And so they went back, and I guess they looked at it again, and it officially was scored an interception but um, I was told I called it an interception but I was told after the break that's going to go into the books as a fumble recovery but then it was changed that's you know one of those scoring things that doesn't matter I mean the bottom line is they got the touchdown but he has a heck of a play
5: yeah and he ended up having two on the night got one later in the game he dropped into zone coverage in red I mean that was probably I'd say best game of the season based on those two interceptions
1: you know and it's um, he he didn't start against Auburn and you know with uh, with Braxton out uh, this week, uh, they moved Hudson Clark back over to the nickel spot, and that's what got Walcott in at safety. Uh, that's why he started at safety, and uh, yeah, he had a couple of big plays, no doubt about it. Great game. Yeah. yeah, defense
3: started fast in that game. I mean, sack on what first play, and then of course we know how the first drive went for FIU, but uh, with that long 80, 80 yard run down to the one, but uh, the play prior to that, they had a had a fairly fast start.
1: Well, and I think their uh, FIU's first two first down plays, they lost yardage. On the night, they had 9.6 yards to go on third down. I mean, that's uh, um, they, you're not going to do that very often, and they didn't. And that's uh, that was a big part of the reason. But first down early, I thought was uh, was a real key. It, it, you know, it was not a. Uh, there were areas in there that got a little rocky, but um, I felt like they were in control from start to finish.
5: I uh, that Chris Mitchell kid can play. Hey, you know, that kid can play. in the Oh, he's a good season. player. And Blitnikoff at some point, he's going to be in that discussion. And they're probably going to give it to Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State, but. You talk about a young man that's almost single-handedly kept him in the game. It was it was him.
1: He's only one seventy-five. I mean, he's a little guy. He's six-one. They they list him at six-one and one seventy-five. But man, he's a player. I mean, he'll go get it.
5: Apparently, they were saying he put on like thirty to forty pounds when he got on campus. So <laughs> he was even smaller yeah. when he initially. He's
1: one seventy-five soaking wet, yeah, probably.
5: Which is uh, which is pretty crazy. Well, the game is uh, I would almost say it's second fiddle this morning based on what I was
1: wondering how long you were going to talk about it there to be honest with you
5: based on what happened on Sunday as of about 1242 Hunter Yerchek announcing that Sam Pittman is going to be back for another season apparently informed the team about that on Saturday night and this is what it's going to look like at this point heading into next year I'll go and read his quote Our team was extremely excited last night after the game went to Fordham that Coach Pittman is our head coach and will be moving forward into the 2024 season. This has not been a season any of us expected. We have work to do. I'm confident that together we can meet the goals and expectations of our program. I want to thank many Razorback fans who have supported our team this season, and I look forward to honoring our seniors and cheering on this team Friday as we take on Missouri. So I know we've we've got a lot of thoughts this morning at this point. I expected this to happen after a win. I thought at some point in time we'd see an announcement. I wonder if we'll see an end of the year press conference from Hunter at some point. But for now, we have this in front of us.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if you'll see a. I don't know if you'll see an end of the year press conference or not. I, I've. I have no idea. What well, what
3: would. Other than layout, I mean, other than what what, what well, could he go out expe- and say more I want to know that? the
5: expectations of this football program. I want to know what Hunter thinks they are. Okay. I want to know what he has been instructed by either Charles Robinson or the Board of Trustees. And I think a lot of fans feel that way. He lays that out, but he doesn't give any context to what the expectations are. And I know they vary amongst fans, but I want to know what his expectations are of this football program.
3: I really do. Cause uh, I, I, I think you are wanting him to say, well, eight and four. I don't think you're well, going to Well, that's, yeah,
1: that. yeah, that's what people are asking for, Ty. And if you're honest, that's what you're asking for. You're asking for him to give you a number. That's what you're asking for. I mean, tell the truth. That's what people want. And he's not going to give you a number. I mean, how do you come up with a number? I, I mean, do you even know what the schedule is going to look like for the next two or three years? I I'm, I, I mean, I don't. If 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 you're expecting Hunter Yurecek to have a press conference at the end of the year and say, "I expect us to win 7.7 7 games every year on average over a 10-year span," that's not going to happen. That's not going to
5: happen. I, I just want. Okay, so what do
1: you want him to say? Let me let me ask you a question. What do you want him to say?
5: I, again, I want more context on what he thinks the expectations are. But
1: what do you want over. those expectations to be? You obviously have them. What do you want them
5: to be? My expectation, I've been very clear yeah. cool about it seven to eight regular season wins a year, and then once every four or five years, compete. For the SEC. I can't say SEC West anymore because there's no longer gonna be an SEC West after this year, but I don't think that's an egregious thought. You win half your conference games, some games, some years you don't win your fourth non conference game, other games you do. I don't think that is an again, overvaluing are you the saying expectations. Seven wins? Seven to eight regular season okay. wins a year. So, well. so
1: you want seven point five a year? You want seven point yeah, no, five 7. a year? <laughs>
5: that's too high, Chuck.
1: 7. All right, seven point five. Well, seven to eight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna split it there. You want seven point five a year? Yeah.
5: And again, okay. I think that's a a good chunk of. Our fans listening right now, if you want to call or text us on the McCarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. I know we're going to have plenty of people discussing what they think about this move or what they think about the future. But I I just wonder, like next year, for example, so you do have a tough schedule. You got Oklahoma State. I think it's week two in Boone Pickens. And then, like you said, we don't know the layout of the SEC. We do know the opponents. You'll take on LSU. You'll take on Tennessee. You'll take on Texas. You'll take on Ole Miss all at home. you'll go to Dallas to take on A&M. You'll go take on Missouri on the road. You'll take on Mississippi State. And you'll take on Auburn. It's not an egregious road schedule, but it is pretty tough, the opponents that you'll welcome in this next year.
1: All right. So based on what you said a little bit earlier, they go 7-5, you're good.
5: I'm good. Yeah, seven and five. Okay. That shows nice right. progress. But what, okay. what has happened, unfortunately, under Sam Pittman these last three years? So you're again, nine and four. Year two, awesome. People want to build a statue. Blah 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 blah. Except we've reverted and gone downhill. And what people are wondering is, can you get a good OC hiring in here? Are you going to transition offensive line coaches? And can you do enough in recruiting? Not just out of high school, but out of out of the portal to have a more productive season next year with the additions of Oklahoma and Texas. And I don't know if people are, again, feeling right now that they're 100% on board that this is going to work next year, which I guess that's college football as a whole at this point. Well, when you have four wins right now and maybe you you get a fifth,
3: people aren't on board with that. I think we know what doesn't meet expectations in the fans' minds because we've seen it this year. But I find a few other things, and maybe we're reading in, or maybe I'm reading, I don't want to lump you guys into this, but You know, when he says we have work to do and I'm confident that together we can meet the goals and expectations of our program. When he uses the word we there, I just I wonder how involved in some of these moves Hunter's going to be directly involved in and have his hands on that are undoubtedly coming in the next two weeks.
1: Well, he's got to approve everything. Mm -hmm. And um, my sense is, is that he's not a rubber stamper. I don't I don't get that impression from him at all. Uh, you know, the reality is, in modern college sports, the athletic director's rear end's on the line a lot of times just like the coaches is. Mm-hmm. So, um, sure, I would expect him to be involved. Now, do I think that he's going to walk in there and say, um, you know, Sam, I think this guy's the guy you ought to hire for offensive coordinator, or um, I think you ought to get away from this player, or I don't think this guy's really good enough to play tackle for you. I don't think it's going to be like that. But, yeah, I think he's going to have a hand in it. He should have a hand in it. He's the boss. He's the athletic director. Um, There's too much on the table for them not to be involved in this together. Yeah,
5: you mentioned alluding to, again, his butt basically being on the line now. I wonder, my my thought when this came out, is this quote-unquote Hunter's second hire basically by keeping Sam Pittman? Was this a Charles Robinson and Board of Trustees decision based on money? I know money has been brought up a lot to this point. I don't mm-hmm. know where that he put out again the memo he put out what this happened but i'm wondering if this was his decision or if this was a board of trustee and chancellor decision on keeping sam and if it was his decision is this his quote-unquote second hire he's putting his quote-unquote butt on the line would he get an opportunity if this doesn't work out to hire someone new or if this fails is he out the door as well that's something you have to think about, not just if you're Hunter you're a check but if you're...
1: Well, what do you think morning. about that? I mean, I you're know. posing That's these a, questions. I what do it, you think about it? I don't know. Because I I mean, What's ha- your take?
5: The fly on the wall. I wish I was in these conversations with, I would assume, him and Chancellor Robinson. I wish I could have heard what Sam Pittman and Hunter check allegedly talked about this past Sunday at the Auburn game. I don't know where it's at right now. I know. I just know that question has been posed by fans. Was this a Hunter a check call, or was this a Board of Trustees Charles Rob? Because that's two different things, right? There's two different perspectives on that moving forward, depending on who ultimately made. What do decision. you think? What do you think? I. I if I said it one way or another, it would be a bad. Well, you're asking thing.
1: us what we think. Well, I'm I, asking you what you I'm think.
5: Ask, uh, again, I, I'm posing the question. I don't have any inside context. I don't. I'm just, wanting, a you. You. I'm just a, wanting to take from you. I'm just wanting to take. I'm wanting to take from I, you, man. I want. I want to give a take, but I don't. It's have hot, a, take it hot take Monday. Give me a take. Monday. I just. I okay. I'll give you a take. I, All I, right, let's go. A, if this doesn't work out, I still think Hunter is going to get an opportunity to hire someone. New at this point, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is his end all be all, and if this doesn't work out along with Sam, he's going to get let go as well. I don't I'm,
3: get the sense of that. I, I, I mean, and maybe you know, I'm like you. I, I mean, we're not privy to, to Chancellor Robinson and really how he's going to meddle or be involved or uh, involve himself with athletic department decisions. We haven't ha- don't have enough track record there to. To really get a feel for this but uh, i don't feel like this is all on um hunter your check, and if this decision doesn't work out he's ultimately gone immediately next year i don't think that's the case at all
5: i wouldn't think so but some have pointed that in, the, in that direction at this point in time again lumping them together i mean at this point everything else is
3: successful we got to remember we're getting ready to go into a basketball season that we all think is going to be you know Rather exciting and a lot of wins and a lot of fun than a baseball team that always seems to produce results. Um, you know, Those are, those are things that uh, also, Hunter, your check should get credit for as well.
1: I think sometimes we have this idea. I don't know what it comes from. Maybe we've watched too much television. <laughs> that somebody picks up the phone and says, this is what I want. Or, you're not doing this. Or, over my dead body. <laughs> that stuff doesn't happen. This idea that, well, you know, the chancellor at a university, oh, I got the feel on the AD, and I'm going to pick up the phone and say no. Um, I I don't think conversations like that occur. These uh, These are adults. There's a lot on the table. Here's the thing, and I've said this before. When you're on the outside looking in, everything's black and white. Everything's black and white. It's easy. He's either not, in the case of sports, he's either not winning... Or he is winning. It's easy. Figure it out. When you're on the inside, you live in the gray. You live in the gray. And this is a university system. There is a pecking order. Um, There are people that have to sign off, so to speak. But the idea that there's some big power broker or some booster or some president who's picking up the phone and, and saying, this is what I want, and he's the puppet master, that doesn't happen. At least it doesn't happen here. Yeah. And,
3: you know, I would love to get more insight from Hunter. You know, it's kind of where we began the, the conversation, but the idea that he's going to come out and say, well, Sam's got to win eight games next year or we're both fired. I
4: mean, but that's, there's not, that's not There's going to... a
5: number in the back of his head that he yeah, feels like I, they I have to you. that he might not say publicly, but, I, and I, again, is that number just getting to a bowl game? Is that seven or eight wins like I talked about other? I don't know. I wish I did. I wish no. he would just blatantly tell us. There's other I mean, I understand sports are a are a
3: bottom line business. It's winning and losing. But when you're the A D, there's a lot more to consider. Well
1: lots people, more to consider. People want a number so they can use it against him when they're yeah. ready to fire him. That's what this is about. There's anything any anything you say can and will be used against you. I've been around here when Houston Nuts said national championship under construction and he was the first head coach we ever had that ever used the words national championship. And people loved it. And by the end of it, they turned it around. Sam Pittman talked about how he loved Arkansas when he got here. People loved it. They ate it up. He didn't win enough games. Well, I thought he said he loved us. How come he didn't give his money back? Um, anything you say is going to be turned around and used against you if you're not winning enough ball games. Anybody has been around here seen that happen? If you expect him to get out there in a press conference and say, I think we should win on average this number of games, um, you're going to be disappointed that's not going to happen because he's a smart man and he knows that people use it against him later. Might be a better chance of getting some of that money
3: back. Uh, <laughs> hey, I didn't win enough. I'm just going to turn in some of my salary. Uh, it might, might have better odds on something like that happening. Uh, Westark Plumbing and Expert Drain Services. Put their number in your phone because you never know when a plumbing issue is going to come up and you you need help. And you don't have time to fumble around or look for reviews or ask for you know, a recommendation. You just need to go to the experts, and that's Westark Plumbing and Expert Drain Services. Water, sewer, gas, grease, they've been doing it all since 1993. So when things are flowing your way, call 479-646-5151. Keep that in your phone. 479 646 5151, West Ark Plumbing and Expert Drain Services.
5: Let's talk, to, let's talk to JR here on the McCarty Dana Hotline. JR, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Good,
3: buddy. Hey, JR. Hey,
6: it, it's not fair to, to get a number from him on something like that. I mean, that's just, you know, expecting him to pull something out of thin air on that. Uh, the, the, the thing that I wonder about, I guess if you bring in the offensive coordinator, potentially there could be like a major turnover on the offensive side as far as coaching goes, because, uh, if you get the right hire, I mean, potentially there's, there's a lot of movement that takes place there. Um, you know, on that, on that front. So, um, I, I don't know what, what, what's the money they're looking at for an offensive coordinator, you know, as far as, you know,
5: what you're hearing, what was, Enos getting paid.
1: He was getting paid a lot. He's uh, the buyout's two point eight, I think, isn't it?
5: Two point eight, two point
1: six. He was the two point six. It's in the two and a half range. Here's the answer to that question: Whatever it takes to hire the best one out there that they can get. You know, whatever it. um, You know, if you've got a guy out there that you really want, and he says this is what it's going to take, well, that's what you pay. And um, I think I think that'll be their approach.
5: JR asking a good question again the money or whatever, I, I think the more important part of that question is the transition that you might see on the offensive staff. You pointed out earlier, Tommy, with Dan Enos came in, they didn't change up Jimmy Smith. They didn't change up Kenny guy. And Morgan Turner was hired prior to that. What you said, what kind of transitions, if you go get your supposed guy, what kind of people does he want to bring with him? Which position coaches? And then how does that change what Arkansas staff well, looks like. Jimmy Smith's been a year. great
3: recruiter for Sam Pittman. He's not going anywhere. There might be a change on the O line. I don't know. We know that was one of the foundational issues that have been has been problematic this year for this team. Tight end doesn't seem to be a big problem this year. They've just had a lot of injuries. Kenny Guyton has stepped into a tough role here and the wide receiver play, um, you know, has been acceptable this year. So I don't expect a big overhaul on the staff because the new coordinator. Now, if a coordinator wants to bring someone with him, it'd probably be an analyst or some people that, you know, help him break down film, do the do the background work, I guess you could say, or behind the scenes work. But I don't expect to see a, a massive amount of staff overhauls on the offensive side, uh, other than bringing a coordinator in and maybe a maybe a change in O line. Who knows?
1: I'm not sure on that. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, you know, sometimes a guy does want to bring a position coach or two in. Um, clearly, there are analyst roles that coordinators oftentimes will, will will bring people in for. But, guys, I do think that there needs to be the reality check that um, there is going to be an overhaul here. Hunter check did not say over the weekend, I'm happy with the way things are going. We're going to keep doing it. That's not what he said. He said, "I'm not firing Sam Pittman," and that's all that he said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't suppose anything as far as what that offensive staff is going to look like. I, I just don't know, and um, now we're just going to have to see first off who ends up being the offensive coordinator yeah. and go from there.
5: Let's talk to Kevin and Rogers on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Kevin, what's up, man?
7: Hey guys, happy holidays. Hey, uh, this kind of question for Chuck because he's kind of, well, for all of you. Um, you have to be real. My, my comment is two of them. I, mean, I, I want to talk about Hunter. for But uh, my first one is with the offensive coordinator, you know, you figure Sam, if he goes with a three- or four-win season next year, he would be gone. So you bring in an offensive coordinator. You have to be careful that it, the offensive coordinator fits with what your personnel is, is coming in because you're still a pretty young team in a lot of positions. That would be my concern. they say, well, this guy's really good, but it's going to take a year or two. What does that put you, what kind of position does that put you into? Secondly, regarding Hunter, year check if you know, what it looks like with the football program. Let, let's think about a domino effect here. And, Chuck, you're close on this deal, I know, with Eric Musselman, because their relationship is very good. If something happened to Hunter, I think that would really be a problem for Eric and then – The push to maybe move back to the NBA. Now, I know that's crazy thinking, but we have to think that way because we do know that that relationship. Hunter's a basketball guy. Let's not kid ourselves. Football's important and he loves that and all that, and the money's important. But Hunter is, you know, from his days, back when he was, you know, younger, he's a basketball guy. So tell me what you think, Chuck, about that.
1: Well, I think they've got a good relationship. And if an athletic director leaves anywhere, um, sure, there's the potential for a change in relationship. Now, you know, we've had, I think about Dave Van Horn, I think about some other coaches who have, you know, they've they have transitioned from one to the other. But I can tell you, even with a lot of coaches that you think are set, it's not always a smooth ride initially. And... Um, you know, if that were to happen, uh, do I think things could potentially change? Yes. But do I know that they would? No. Um, I don't know that Muss will go back to the NBA. Um, here's the thing, the difference between being a head coach in the NBA and being a head coach in college. College, your, your word's law. I mean, your word is law. Um, I wonder how many times Muss was called coach before he went to the college ranks. You think those guys in the NBA call him coach? I bet they called him mutts, period, end of story. And and, And I'm not saying that either one's bad or good or better. I'm just saying that in the NBA, if you want to change your starting lineup, you got about six or seven people you got to talk to. And there's contracts, there's agents, there's GMs, there's directors of player personnel. That's just to change a starter. You know, in college you do whatever you want. And um, I don't know that going back to the NBA is terribly appealing. I don't know that he could make his head coach in the NBA what he can make his head coach in college. Maybe he could. I don't know what he was making before. He's got a good gig now, though. But yes, if you change ADs, does it change the dynamic? Potentially, no
5: doubt about it. I would say that the more likely, if he was to jump, would not be for an NBA job, but for a college job. And he was asking, you also had Kevin asking about personnel. I know that is going to be something that people keep an eye on starting December 4th when the transfer portal opens, specifically at the quarterback position. Is the idea of K.J. coming back for a sixth season enticing for an offensive coordinator, a prospective one, or would they want to try with someone new with Jacoby Criswell or maybe someone out yeah. of the portal? Something else to contemplate with that. Bus tells a
3: story, if you've heard him speak at a banquet or whatever, about Ron Artest. He took him out of a game one time, and he's sitting on the bench, and he gets up and goes to the scores table goes, where are you going? He goes, check myself back into the game. He goes you mind if I
8: say if that's okay or not? <laughs> he just but I'll bet he
1: checked himself in. i bet he checked himself he in. He went back in the game.
8: <laughs> that's how it works at that level. Celebrate the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian Dining Room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12, dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6, eat free. Reservations required. Must have a credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at ArlingtonHotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items.
0: Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McLarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas
5: your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts
0: you're listening to the bud light morning rush podcast bud light proud sponsor of
5: arkansas athletics all right let's get some thoughts on this starting with jesse mountain home jesse welcome in
6: hey good morning guys so uh i'm i'm behind 100 behind Stephen stand Pittman. um and I'm gonna, you know, use an example of, uh, you know, the, the best that I can of building a new house. I mean, hundred year checks he come in, he bought a burnt down house, so he built a new one. He hired a contractor, being Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman hired subcontractors. A couple years in, things are looking up. Two of the subcontractors left. He had to hire new ones. Um, ones that he don't necessarily know or how good of a job they're gonna do. One of them worked out, the other one didn't um you got you got to give the contractor a chance to uh finish building the house and you don't just you don't tear down the house because a couple things are wrong you, you fix them and that that's just kind of my point of view um I I think maybe he can get it fair um I was at the game Saturday night uh, most of the people there was you know in good spirits supportive um I did however what, one thing that I noticed there, there was a guy a couple rows back behind me um, probably in his 50s was being pretty belligerent screaming at Sam from the stand um, acting like a general real stupid fool um, there was a group of four young college kids sitting behind me and I heard one of them say the guy was making him mad one of the other kids asking if why, you know, do you like Sam? And he said, it doesn't matter if I like Sam. because I like, think about if you were trying to do your job and somebody's sitting there screaming and yelling at you and they don't even know what they're talking about. That's coming from a 20-year-old kid. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of the, a lot of fan basically learn something from that kid. I, re- I really do. So, uh, I, I wish, wish Sam and the team best of luck moving forward.
5: I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Jesse. Let's talk to Billy, who's in Benville this morning. Billy, go ahead.
2: Hi there, guys. My whole thing is, last year, everybody was talking about firing Eagle, Eli Drinkowitz after him having a terrible season, and they gave him a shot at coming back, and look what he did this year. So, I mean, well, it's not to say that Sam couldn't do that next year for us as well?
5: Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think Arkansas is going to be on the cusp of 10 wins next year if they keep Sam? I'm not. I didn't games. think
1: Missouri was this year. I'll give him that.
2: I'll give him 10 wins, but I'm saying there's a good chance that he could uh, pass it around and make it uh, at least seven, eight-win season.
5: Would that satisfy you next year, Billy?
2: I mean, it would definitely make it where I would feel comfortable him keeping his job, at least.
5: Yeah, I think people feel that way. It would
1: meet Ty's criteria. It would.
5: It would. I would be okay with seven or eight wins next year. John's in Leakin. What's up, John?
1: Hey, Todd, your comment earlier about...
6: uh, you know, if Curiech had confidence in Pittman, why didn't he do it after the Auburn game? I think the reason he didn't do it after the Auburn game is because he wanted to see if Pittman still had the team for the FIU, or if he had lost the team.
5: Mm-hmm. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, they did. He waited till after the FIU game because if they'd lost that game, he'd put that statement out. They'd have to retract it and they'd have to let Sam go. They didn't. They won four to four to twenty, and that's where we're at right now. Hundred percent. Brian's in Lowell this morning. Brian, what's up, man?
6: Hey, guys. Um, I'm still a Pittman supporter. I think he comes with a proven track record of recruiting. I'm just curious with the way big money's moved into college sports. How does the how do we get more nil money? to the players if the university can't directly do it how how does that work can you walk me through the how
1: kind of the the <laughs> transactions and the structure of how that works I wish I Thank I you. wish I knew all of it I wish I did understand all of it I um my my question throughout all this has been where's the money coming from because um you know you're talking about some pretty pretty big chunks of money for these kids I mean the I think if you looked at the NIL funds of the top five, six, seven teams in America right now, top ten, you'd, uh, um, boy, I mean, it's it's a lot of cash, I'll just put it that way. So,
5: uh, we got to separate this. Arkansas has this program called Flagship, which, if I remember correctly, was the first SEC-organized NIL, not collective, but organization that, again, is the mediator between companies and said student-athletes, not just football players, but on campus. Then you have the one- Arkansas NIL, which is the collective, which if you can go to it right now, you can click and donate today. That's like the Grove Collective or I can't think of the one in Tuscaloosa. But that's that's my understanding of the two differences between because we get questions all the time about that. And that's the difference between the two is at least my understanding at that point. Yeah. And all of that is working
3: supposedly get in parallel with the schools already in place, fundraising efforts to just support the program. Mm-hmm. So, And how many buckets or wells are there out there to dip into that you can go back twice? Not that many. That that creates the challenge.
5: Let's talk to Kagan, who's in Piggott this morning on the McCarty-Daniel Hotline. Kagan, what's up, man?
9: Oh, not too much. We all know this for one thing, and I'll start with this. NIL, you y- Whoever's got the most NIL money, so it's getting the best food. I mean, that's just point blank. That's simple as it can get. You know, look, Alabama, all your top schools, they got all the top money. Uh, if, there's no way to regulate that. That it's going to be like this forever. I mean, no matter what circumstance it is, whoever's got the most NIL money to give, and it doesn't matter. I mean, look at Colorado got a whole bunch of good players because they got they had NIL money you know, for Dion, whatever, however that looks like or however they got it. If we don't put some type of regulation on this NIL stuff, and this will never change. I mean, there should be some type of stipulation for, you know, high school recruits coming out of high school. Hey, you're only allotted this much money for your first year. We're going to have to do something. And the second thing, we're going to have to get some NIL money, I guess. We're going to have to do something. Sam's going to have to reach deep. Cause if he, I mean, I love Sam. Ain't nobody in the state of Arkansas that can't say they don't love Sam Pittman. But if he don't dig deep and come up with something, he's going to be in trouble. I mean, I, I love the guy. You know, I was kind of on the same train as everybody else after we started losing. But, hey, it's Sam Pittman is Sam Pittman. Great guy, good character, and very intelligent. He knows his stuff, and he, he get, he'll get better. But, I mean, if we can't get the NIL stuff under control, and he don't dig deep and come up with some type of way to get better recruits or transfer portal players or something? I don't know.
5: You know, my, I kind of was... <laughs> okay, think we think it lost you. Well, if you look at Arkansas's transfer portal... Signees, you've hit on a good chunk of them to this point. And again, really what's derailed this season has been the lack of offensive line, and I would guess that Sam Pittman is going to hit more on that in the portal this season. But, guys, they've pulled in a lot of starters. I mean, you look at the it was either 16 or 18 guys in there, almost all of them are either starters or contributors to this year's football team.
1: You've, uh, everybody tries to do this. Um you try to find a game record on defense. We've had a caller or two that have talked about how when it comes to pay for play that you follow the, you know, the NFL model. And that's basically what they do in college now. Uh, the price of an edge rusher. Um, the price of a great cover corner. Price of a five-star wide receiver that maybe transfers from Michigan State to Florida State. How much that's going to cost you. Um, how much you're willing to pay for that quarterback? How you're going to divvy up the money on the rest of your team. These are things professional general managers deal with every day, and they are the reality of college sports now. It's that's the reality. You better be able to master your 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 budget in terms of what you got to pay people. Um, I never thought I'd see it this way, but don't kid yourself, that's how it is now.
3: And uh you know, in, a, in an ideal world, you would have some kind of collective bargaining agreement where you could put <coughs> well, a cap on things. You could have regulations. But I think the fear is right now, you put too many uh, rules or, or, or guardrails in place. They're not going to hold up in court.
1: Well, not just that. You're certainly not going to get any kind of meaningful legislation passed. Um, you know, I thought initially the way this would go would be universities through whatever their NIL budget would allow, you'd pay players a certain flat rate. Like, every one of these guys is getting, say, $50,000. I'm just going to start pulling numbers out of the air. My thought on this was, everybody's going to get the same base, and then you can go earn whatever you can earn. If you can do a commercial for the Ford dealership, go at it. If you can get a new car out of the Chevy dealership and do their TV commercials, go get it. I didn't realize exactly what this was going to turn into. And um, this is a bidding war, guys. Yeah. It is a flat-out bidding war. And they can say whatever they want, but it is pure pay-for-play in its absolute form. Yeah. And anyone that doesn't think that is wrong. Yeah. But, you know, I do know that as the transfer portal opens, um, not just for Arkansas, but at a lot of other places, too, there's going to be a whole bunch of money changing hands. And there's going to be guys that were playing for very little mm-hmm. who are about to play for an awful lot. And that's just how it's going to work when we, uh, when we get into this
8: transfer portal era.
1: You're listening to the
0: Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
5: Arkansas rushed for over 300 yards Saturday night against Florida National. Really the mainstay during the ground attack was Isaiah Gustav, the young freshman from Naples, Florida, had himself quite a night as a true freshman. Here was coach on him, Dominique Johnson, and the all-offensive line performance
4: from Saturday. I was proud of Isaiah. He ran unbelievable. We handed off one time into a really what really should have been a dead play and he got 12 yards on it. So, proud of the offensive line and the runners and obviously We've got some injuries there. KJ's a big part of the running as well. And it was good to see Damo come in and split that big-time hole there on fourth and two. But to go down there and split it down there for 31 yards, it's good to see him back. So Rocky got
5: hurt. Rashad DeBinion got hurt, and yet you saw some guys he hadn't seen. That was Domo's first touchdown of the season on that fourth and two play. He got a huge embrace on the sideline, which was pretty cool. Guys, I mean, we saw some speed and bursts from Isaiah Zag- Augusta. I felt like he broke more tackles on Saturday night than running backs have all season. I and mean, he was breaking tackles left and right.
1: He ran with a purpose. He's got fresh legs right now. And that helps, too. Um, I think that he's a keeper. What he said a minute ago there, and the thing that I saw Saturday, um, I honestly think Isaiah, and I don't mean to disparage the performances of any of the other backs, but I think Isaiah, in some respects, showed us at least part of what's gone wrong with the running game this year. Um, I realize that it's a lot easier to block a Florida International guy than it is an SEC guy. I get that. But I saw Isaiah Auguste get a lot of yards after contact. Mm -hmm. I saw Isaiah Auguste run through arm tackles. I saw him hit the hole. I saw him make something out of nothing. And sometimes you have to do that as a running back. It's very easy when you're not running the ball well and you're not protecting well to say that the entire problem with our rushing games the guys up front. And that's a big part of it. It's the majority of it. I'm not suggesting it's not. But I think Isaiah in a manner of speaking kind of showed us from the running backs what we've been missing, too. I think this guy's a player. They thought he was going to be good from the get-go. And um, he's learning on the fly. There are still some aspects to it that, um, you know, I'm not sure he's ready to be an every down and uh, kind of guy, but he may be next year.
5: Sounds like he might play the Missouri game. Pittman got out. Oh, I think he will. Yeah. Why hasn't he played much this season? He pointed out just being young.
4: Well, his youth would have kept him off the field, you know, not understanding all the plays and calls and all that, like a lot of freshmen. But going into this week, I wanted to see if he could, what he could do in a live game. We needed a shot at running back. I mean, we needed somebody to make people miss, run over people, hit holes, whatever it may be, with some urgency. And we thought it might put some urgency into all of that group as well by seeing that he was going to get the opportunity to play.
5: Hopefully we'll get an update from Sam Pittman later that he's not speaking with the media on Wednesday so this will be the lone appearance with no Sam Pittman live this week so hopefully we get an update today on Rocket and uh, Rashad DeBinion when it comes to that running back room for this weekend.
1: You know, he said something about Augusta there a minute ago. I remember Rashad, early in the year on the coaches show, talked about his freshman year. He said, man, all I was trying to do was figure out the playbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was trying to figure out the playbook. Sometimes we, when a guy has success late in his freshman year or into his sophomore year, you like, how come that guy had been out there all along? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, that's, uh, that's the answer to the question right there. But his time's coming, and I honestly think the fortunes of Arkansas's rushing game and Isaiah Augusta are tied together next year. Um, I think he's in line to, to be a really good player.
3: And that's one of the things. We've talked about jobs and transitions and OCs and head coaches and their futures. That's another thing to consider is what you just said, Chuck. You, you bring in a whole new language and a whole new playbook and a whole new offense to learn well you you set some guys back that have to learn that And you're right augustive has gotten to the end of this season now they trust him to follow through and execute his assignments and he's out there more
1: arkansas's got to go out and raid the uh, raid the portal on the offensive line they got to go out and raid it i mean they got to hit it hard and do whatever they got to do to get them and that's going to include a lot of stuff beyond saying hey man you can come play right away we need you it's going to include a lot of stuff beyond that but if they can get their ducks in a row and they can, they can, um, they can go out and get some real offensive. I mean, some real guys out of the portal, not just bodies, but guys. Um, they'll be a lot better on offense next year.
5: That's going to do it for your hog update this morning. Brought to you by our friends at Mister Sparky. You, you don't have to
9: put up with any malarkey.
5: Call 8-8-8-8 Sparky. Kevin is in Lake Hamilton on the mclarty Daniel Hotline. Kevin, welcome in, man.
6: Hey, to Chuck, Chuck's point that they need, dude, not just bodies, but you're also gonna need need bodies too. And what he was saying before the break about the NIL, a lot of those guys aren't gonna be necessarily looking for a piece of pie, but they are gonna wanna uh, wanna bite it the crust at least. You know. So what is Arkansas doing? And not just for football, but for basketball, for women's, for for all the minor sports. What are they doing to coordinate all this money? Because some of it may go heavy to somebody else I, mean, I heard last week that there's even marching bands that are putting together University of Iowa is putting put together the one of their horn lines as an NIL deal so there's money out there but getting it to the right place with the right people even a little bit you know what is Arkansas doing in order to Coordinate all, coordinate all that, and is it, or is it still just catch a catch
1: I, I don't, I don't, I don't think coordination's the issue. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the issue. I, I just think it's you know, just pure dollars,
5: willing givers. And again, will those willing givers be more likely? Because you can look at this scenario two separate ways, right? It's like, man, we can't ever let this season happen again. We got to put in more money to this, or well, I'm not going to be a part of this after this season. I don't really care to that. Evidently, again, Hunter got some insight enough that people are going to invest in Sam Putman's football program. Well, to, at least that's the from the outside looking in that perspective. And, and that's one thing to consider, but there's there's a lot of layers here. And you know,
3: Hunter, your check goes to a lot of practices. He's in a lot of. He's around this team and around this program a lot. So he, he has a much better sense than I think many ads do about the, the stability and the in the bedrock of the of the program, Chuck. And I think he's evaluating all of that and he sees it all firsthand and um, you know can trust his gut instincts a little more.
1: I've said this before, but Hunter wants to win. Not just because it makes life better for an athletic director when you win, but because he's a competitor. I mean, he, he's a, you know, he was a ball player. I mean, he wants to win. And I think sometimes people, again, in sports, they think, well, if you're not firing people at the drop of a hat, you're not committed to winning. Um, I don't believe that to be the case with all at, 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 at all with him. Um, I think he's very competitive as a person. And I think he wants very badly for this football program to win.
5: So Saturday night, I was not in Donald W. Reynolds' backstage. Stadium. We were in a bonfire listening to Chuck, Quinn, and Gino on the radio. I went back and rewatched the game this morning because I was curious. I saw this. I saw this story. I saw this quote, and I was like, "What did he actually say?" He said it. Rod Gilmore, the broadcaster for ESPN, said it from the jump. But I think he said it at one point in the third quarter about this supposed meeting between Hunter Yurchek and Sam Pittman.
3: I don't know if he was speaking out of school or. Chuck speaking off the cuff. I mean, we know that the the broadcasters, and the, the you know the crew meets with the head coaches on Friday. I you know I've never been in one of those meetings, so I don't know if those kind of conversations about your job security or even points of conversation in those those production meetings.
1: Well, I, I don't I don't know what was discussed in there. I mean, obviously I wasn't there. I, I think there's some contention on the part of Sam Pittman as to you know whether or not that was actually uttered or not. Um, I don't want to speak out of turn. Uh, based on what I know, though, about the previous Sunday when all hell broke loose, I'm not sure it would have been logistically possible. For Sam Pittman and Hunter Yurecek to have had a two-hour meeting, uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that happened. Just, just, just to be honest. Now, what he said in that meeting with Rod Gilmore, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but the whole premise of that. Sounded to me like when I went back and listened to it. I mean, I'm just going to tell you guys, Rod Gilmore has no earthly idea what's going on at the University of Arkansas. He's a TV guy that flew in. He had a, you know, they do meet with the head coach the day before. He crams on information, and then it's an information dump. By Sunday, he doesn't even remember the names of the guys that he called Saturday night. I know how it works. And... um He was speaking off the cuff. He was trying to make it sound like he knew a little bit more than he really did. Um, I don't necessarily believe, number one, that a two-hour conversation took place the previous Sunday. And I sure as hell don't believe Sam Pittman told Rod Gilmore about it. it. (laughs)
5: I'm certain of that part. Here is, uh, again, Sam Pittman's full answer to Bob's question again.
4: I don't remember having that conversation with those guys. That's not for me to – Hunter, you guys need to ask him all that kind of stuff. But I will say this, guys, that when we start talking about firing and all this – you know, it kills us in recruiting. You know, it does. And especially when we fabricate stories and put it out, it, it kills us in recruiting. And when we give opinions about who's coming in and all those type things, it kills us. You know, I got a wife, and she's a human being, and we're gonna put out stuff that's not true. I know it's opinion world now, but I don't think I'm getting fired, guys. Or he, I would he would have told me I'm getting fired. So I'm not for sure why I have to answer these questions about getting fired or not. I don't. But we'll kill recruiting if we keep talking about it. And if you're an Arkansas fan, it's gonna hurt us. So. Media has become opinions, so I wish we'd post the facts, and whatever the facts are, then we can deal with it.
1: Context and timing are important. Sam Pittman does his post-game press conference after his time in the locker room, and based on what has been reported and what essentially Hunter Yurichek confirmed in his statement yesterday, Hunter Yurichek moments earlier had told the team Sam Pittman was coming back. So, um, you know, I I think... You know, I think all of that stuff has to be kept in mind there. I, I mean, I don't think Bob's question was illegitimate, but I also think Coach Pittman spoke from the standpoint at that juncture of knowing he was going to be the head coach next year.
3: He was confident in what he was saying because he yeah, absolutely was, he, he had more information than
1: the rest well, of us. Well, there again, timing and context right. are important.
3: Yeah. When you know things that the people asking the questions don't know, then you can speak with a little more authority on it because
5: you know what the end result going to be already. To your, to your point, about Bob's question not being illegitimate, Sam, again, I don't know why I have to answer these. We have to answer them because Arkansas is 4-7 right now, and it's been a question asked to the fans all year long. Well,
1: but and he's th- been answering it. He's answered it over and over and over again.
5: But this And week, again, you Ty, you,
1: you, 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 is it fair for him to have to answer the question? Yeah. But is it fair to have somebody report things about you that aren't true? No. Which was but, happening that entire day.
5: But And that's true, but it wasn't from Bob. It wasn't from Tom. It wasn't from credible news. I mean, I could get on there and I guess... Well, I would, maybe he
1: wasn't talking to them.
5: Again, it was from, what, oh, like 500... I, I know 500 who answered the about. question. I, I mean, I know who asked
1: the question, but as we've discussed many times in press conferences, you have to ask yourself, who's he talking to? Um... I don't know that he was talking to Bob there, or Tom, or you, yeah. or Tommy, or me, but he was talking to somebody. Well, we got maybe a, th- a couple of them. Yeah,
5: probably mm-hmm. at this point. We got we got a text in here from Randall in Springdale asking the question: Is Sam Pittman peaked at Arkansas? You're four and seven right now. You got Missouri at three o'clock on Saturday. Twenty twenty one was awesome. Nine win season, bunch of super seniors. You were a player two away from getting to double digit wins, which fans would love to get back. to a certain point in time. Last time you had double-digit wins was 2011 when Tyler Wilson at the helm, Bobby Petrino as your head coach. And I think it's a fair question to ask. I want to say that you haven't. I want to get on these airwaves and say that you have not peaked under Sam Pittman, that he's going to make a great OC hire, that he's going to turn the ship around after a bad fourth season. Because I don't have enough evidence in front of me after they lost Barry Odom to lead me to believe that this program is on the cusp of 10 wins, just like Missouri is, just like Ole Miss is. So if you had me to pick, if you had to pin me to the ground, say one way or another, has Sam Pittman peaked, I got to go yes. What does Barry Odom have to do with this? Because you had a a head coach. The defense was terrible.
1: We've talked all year long about how much better the defense is this year. But then you're saying when Barry Odom
5: left, it all went to hell. But you had a situation in 2021 where you had a former head coach on staff. And that's what a lot of fans have pointed to. This morning and throughout the years, or not excuse me, throughout the last couple of weeks, is there's been in game situations that Sam has faltered in or hasn't made a quick enough decision that has ultimately led to a loss in some way, case for And I'm curious to see what they hire at the offensive coordinator position. I want to believe that Sam Pittman has not peaked at Arkansas, but evidence points me to believe that they have. Now, I don't know if they're going to be below 500 this next season like they are this year. But I'm the the question that Randall posed. I'm of the belief that I don't know if we can ever get to double-digit wins under Sam Pittman as the Arkansas head coach.
1: Is that? But but I thought you said earlier seven to eight was your standard.
5: Seven to eight. What I said is seven to eight on average, and trying to. So
1: I guess what we ought to be asking ourselves is: Do you think Sam Pittman's the guy to get you from to between seven and eight wins every year?
5: And then with again the expectation every four or five to compete no longer for the SEC West but now for the SEC out of out
1: of out of sixteen teams
5: yes and which all has right. changed to this point in time and okay. I think in Arkansas I think we can all come to the, the same agreement and believe that again recruiting wise you're always going to be at a disadvantage from the in-state
1: well no wait a second. But you think he's peaked. Let's go back to the question that if, the again, listener posed. You think he's peaked. If
5: pinned to the ground at this point. Okay, I don't. Know I'm just to asking. I just want you to say the win total at this point. I, again, I, I hope I'm wrong about that, but I don't know what evidence leads us to believe this morning that I'm incorrect. That it is that Arkansas has another burst that he can be. An elite. I don't know post. if you're
1: incorrect or not. We're going to find out. To that we're going to find out. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well. We believe that he is a good, rec- you know. Sam's been a fairly effective recruiter, and he's been a really effective evaluator in the portal. Um, I don't know that he's if he's peaked, but I think the idea of Arkansas winning ten ball games every four years, I, I I just don't think that's reality. I do think seven or eight wins a year, you know, and maybe you know, maybe some of these games that you've lost close this year. I mean, we can't sit here and act like Arkansas has just been getting embarrassed game after game after game. I mean, Mississippi State, take that how you want. You didn't get blown out, but it was an embarrassing performance offensively. You had a great defensive performance. Auburn's the one game, and I just wonder, what would this conversation be like? What would the narrative in our state be like? Would last Sunday, a week ago yesterday, have occurred if you hadn't lost 48-10, to but you'd lost that game 28-24 or 24-21? I mean, all of this is coming on the heels of what was an embarrassing blowout to Auburn who turned around and got themselves... Uh, in the same jam with New Mexico State. I mean, uh, I think this is still just the raw emotion overriding from the Auburn game.
1: Well, I think there's a there's a greater challenge in getting kids ready to play now than ever before. And I do think the NIL has something to do with that. I think these kids' stations in life have something to do with it now. I think it's a lot harder to to uh, get 85 guys on the same page than it used to be.
5: Look at what happened in Jordan Air. This past weekend, thirty-one to ten loss well, to I mean, New Mexico State. First
1: off, New Mexico State's pretty good. I yeah. told you guys Friday that uh, uh, at the very least they'd cover. They've got a good program. They're a physical program. Auburn, I thought, you know, I mean, is bragging about how they, you know, could have scored more at Fayetteville. I, I don't, I don't think they turned the page. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, you can see that one coming a mile away. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. The the difficulty in preparing a team
3: in today's world. Now you, you said something along those lines just a second ago. You think about just the dynamic shift of, of how it all works. You got kids that can enter the portal at the drop of a hat now, right? So does that, does that take away some of the, the power and the prestige of the head coach? And, and you were talking about earlier in basketball, your word is law when you're the head coach. Um, and it's not that way in professional sports. You got that to deal with. You got players that are making, you know, six figures and some seven-figure money. I would imagine just the distractions and the difficulty and the, the re-recruiting your roster every day. I mean, there's not there's not 28 hours in the day and there's not eight days in the week anymore. So how in the hell do you get it all done in a four-day week pretty much before? And that's because all the hay's in the barn by Wednesday night, Thursday morning, something like that, and then prep for a game.
1: How do you get it all done? I mean, well, I think I you know, it's... It's especially an issue right now because, as Ty pointed out earlier, the transfer portal opens up here in, what, a week or so? 7-4th? 10 days? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not that far away. Some of these guys are they uh, are making plans. They're making plans, <laughs> they're making plans yeah. for next year. Um, We'd like to think that every player wakes up on Tuesday morning thinking about the game the same way we do. They don't. <laughs> but it's not always that way. Yeah.
3: I mean, there's just so many layers of distraction now in
1: the process. Well, plus two, guys. Again, it goes back to, um, you know, goes back to the pay-for-play thing. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. um, it is... um, it's just harder to convince guys now that this is really important. This game's really important. Just as important as the one that we had last week. Yeah. Den- I would I would think it's
5: harder to do that. Dennison Springdale says it doesn't matter who our coach is unless we compete in the NIL side of things. It's never going to change at this point. Let's talk to Melvin, who's in Sheridan on the McCarty-Daniel Hotline. Melvin, welcome in.
2: I'm so frustrated. Every time you make up a point that's right on time, Chuck shoots it down just like a man. <laughs> thinking, uh, what That's what saying. makes it a radio show, man. Yeah, well, it's frustrating. Oh, uh, it is very frustrating. All right, when all the when everybody jumped ship, and you know they jumped ship two years ago before the nil was really cracking, and you can't keep your all conference safety. And he goes to Texas. How can how can we have confidence that the man's going to be able to recruit and fix this like you have, Chuck? Like i what now? How how, how how are we supposed to be as convinced as you are that he can he can recruit the folks? I like him, I do like him, but that statement about his wife, man, I don't I didn't call up here to talk about my wife. I called up here to talk about the football team. <laughs> You know, and she's got $6 million uh, that she can go play with if she's that upset. I'm tired of hearing excuses. Show me the baby. I don't want to hear about the labor pains. I don't want to hear about all that. Show me the baby. And, And that's all. But it's kind of frustrating that you work for the university or you're on Sam's side. Ty, you're right on, spot on, and I'm with you, buddy. Thank you, sir.
1: What I hope is that you apply the same standard to your life that you're applying to his.
5: In terms of not caring what your wife thinks, I, I get No, in terms of this guy's on it, he's he he's just you know he's,
1: he's he's punching at shadows. I mean, there was nothing concrete in that opinion right there.
5: I, I think again, I hope um, Melvin, I hope I'm wrong about the again the potential ceiling of this football program under Sam. But I want to find reasons to believe that he can get it done. And to your context about competing with the NIL, what Dennison Springdale was saying, I, I hope we see something transition from that at that point. And I do wonder, in terms of NIL, with the guy on campus, and I think we can assume, whether we know or not, that KJ's ma- m- making the most money on campus right now of any football player, maybe of anyone on that campus outside of Devontae Davis, is, again, an investment. We, we were talking about investments earlier. Is it a good investment to potentially bring KJ back next year? I talk about the ceiling, the peak of maybe Sam Pittman. Have we seen that with KJ Jefferson to a certain extent? And maybe it's fit with the offensive coordinator. I know Sam's going to have to factor that in with potentially who he hires because it didn't work out with Dan Enos initially. And I know it was a special night for KJ. It was his grandma's birthday on Saturday. Guy broke the pass completions, yards, touchdowns, plays, total yards, responsibility. I mean, he did a lot on Saturday night but are we willing to move forward into year 5 with this quarterback is that the best decision that this football program can make or is it time to roll with Jacoby or get someone out of the portal at this point that's something I don't know I- what do you think i think like sam and i and i hate saying this because i love that kid and i know he's 22 23 years old now but I don't know if it would be in Arkansas's best interest to move forward with K.J. Jefferson as a starting quarterback next year. I think that he's ultimately going to end up, and I've said this and I've said this for a while now, I think he's ultimately going to end up transferring to another school. We're going to wish him well. I'm going to give him a big hurrah on this radio show because he's delivered some of the best moments I've seen the past couple of years, including that touchdown to Tyrone Broden in Gainesville, Florida. I just think that it's becoming more of a business model, as we've spoken to. And I think the correct business decision from Arkansas' standpoint would be to transition at the quarterback position.
1: Well, I know this. If you're going to recruit kids who are going to help you win championships, you better not tell them that once we don't think you're useful anymore, we're not going to give you anything else. And we'll be ready for you to go. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, if KJ wants to stay... KJ stays. Cup. KJ wants to go. KJ goes. He's earned that right. Uh, I mean, to sit here and say that, hey, thanks for the memories, KJ, but um, you know, there's not a spot for you here anymore. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the way to go. Well, it's
5: gonna be, it's gonna come back to getting money again. And are people willing to invest not just with the football team, but specifically with KJ Jefferson, the same amount that may, or may not have been not invested this year? And the expectation, I guess, from his standpoint would be. I should get the same, if not more, than next year.
1: Well, I, I you see, I don't think people give, like, for example, that return on investment phrase has been tossed around a lot. I don't think that's why people give to NIL. Now, I think if an advertiser um, is going to pay a player to promote their product, I think at that point that... You know, you do think about return on investment, although I doubt very seriously if, for example, the people that KJ Jefferson endorses, I doubt they're sitting here today going, man, i got to rethink this. If, you know, if KJ can't win some more games, i got to rethink this. I don't believe that's going on. And I don't believe that the average person who gives to the NIL, whoever that person may be, I think they give because they're a fan of the program and they want the program to do well. I don't think it, 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 it is what the idea of,